Welcome back to Coffee Conversations and Badasses Podcast. I'm your host, Dustin Hayes. So if you really like what we do, we're now on Patreon, and we would love for you to go over there, check out the exclusive content that we've got going on. And if you like to show some support, become a member. We'd really appreciate it. And now my next guest, AK. This guy has been through some business struggles, built it up, fallen, but he's a man who doesn't give up. AK, how the hell are you doing, buddy? Man, I'm doing great, brother. Appreciate the intro. Yeah, man. I mean, I mean, it's a yeah. I, I definitely fucking did not know what I was doing when I first started. And then <laughs> do, <laughs> do we ever know. though? Yeah, you never. My my coach told me once. Uh, it's, it's my favorite thing I've ever heard about business. It's uh, if your business is never finished, so why are you trying? Or business is never done, so why are you trying to finish? So it's like you fucking you know like it's an, it's gonna happen forever. Like you're gonna continuously build on your business and shit like that. What's there on the desk today? It's still going to be on that desk tomorrow. Yeah. And you everyone's know? trying to kill themselves, trying to get things done. They have trying no to get life. that stack of pile of paper on their desk off. Yeah. But tomorrow it's going to be there again. Exactly. So or you're trying to finish all the projects that you have going on <laughs> at one day. You have a lifetime to do them. Yeah, well, but, but that goes back to instant gratitude though. And it's instant gratification because we want something done instantly. We don't want to build a million dollar business in 10 years, we want to build that million dollar business in 10 days. Right. Which and I have never heard of somebody actually successfully doing that. Or you hear about it from someone else. Oh, he's an overnight success, success, but in all the nights and all the years and everything that went by to build that one moment that did make that person a millionaire, billionaire or whatever. That final just connection. On that one final connection. Yeah. Right. But everything else is what led to that. Yeah. All the, Painstaking nights. Yeah. Staying up late. Staying up late. Not being able to pay the bills. <laughs> missing out on family events, missing out on important moments in life. That's the struggle, right? Yeah. When, when people go into business, they I think they have this utopia mindset of if I build it, instant success. Yeah. Which is not the case. No, never is. It, it, it's a freaking grinder. Well, I, I take it for people who've never gone into business. If you've gone into business, you know it's not... And instant success. It's a grind. That's a, that's what I learned when I started surrounding. I mean, you know, kind of what we have here, right? So oh, like, yeah. as I met more people that were coming into our ecosystem and in our environment and we were chatting, I was like, oh shit, everyone's having these struggles. Everyone is fucking, you know, facing these things, but no one talks about it. No. You know, no one wants to talk about it because it's not sexy, right? It's no. the Lambos that are sexy. It's the, uh, it's the money fucking that's sexy. It's all the dope shit that you have that's sexy. Right. But not all of the painstaking nights, all of the things that went wrong. People don't like talking about that because it's like taboo. It, I, I do. <laughs> you know me. You and me. You and yeah. me would like a little taboo. Yeah, I, like, I do like a little taboo. <laughs> <laughs> if there's anybody underage, you probably should now turn it off. <laughs> but subscribe on Patreon first. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, I love the plug, dude. That's you awesome. have to, bro. It's it's crazy. So we go back to where we're talking about we're starting up. How'd you start up? How'd you get into business? And what made you want to go down this road of hellacious headaches? Dude, I actually, so I always tell my friends this and everyone that I meet, I am the least entrepreneurial entrepreneur you've ever met, right? <laughs> like I, everyone has a story of like, I was selling candy bars and I was fucking doing this and I made lemonade stands and blah, 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 like all this stuff. Like, 
that's dope. And I just never was that kid, right? I was video games fucking all day long, procrastinated every, you know, homework project, got a, you know, a high GPA and uh, was just like a fucking nerd. And I wanted to be a doctor because I looked in the mirror one day, saw a red dot in my head and I was like, oh shit, you know, this just fits, you know, let's get, let's get a doctor uniform on me and it's going to make sense for me. And my parents loved it too. They actually didn't push me to, I pushed myself to. So I fucked myself in trying to become a doctor. I was like, Wow, you set this expectation. I set I set the expectation yeah, for myself, right, dude. Right. Every and other Indian's like, dude, fuck you, man. He's like, they all made me do this. I was like, I did it to myself. Right. But right. uh I to to answer your question, dude, I started off going like I'm gonna be a doctor. That's what my whole thing was. I was like working two years in uh in an emergency room when I was in uh high school, right? From 16 to 18. I was working at Palomar and Escondido. And uh, actually facilitated the move of a lot of the patients when the new Palomar Escondido uh, hospital opened up and shit, which was really cool. But uh, when I got to college, I realized I fucking hated biology. And I talked to my counselor and she was like, uh, yo, you got like 10, 12 years of that if you're going to be a doctor. So I was like, okay, so let's figure out another route here. Most of my family's in business and shit. So I was like, okay, you know what? Let me, let me try business out. Let's see if, let's see if that has something that will fit. Uh, my dad hated it, right? Because I have two older brothers. They were both, uh, my oldest brother went into IT. He said he was going to become a pharmacist, didn't. And my second brother said he was going to become a pharmacist, didn't, became a DJ. And then, uh, you know, the, he was like yeah. resting all of his hope in me. Do the last, the last hope of the family tradition. Like, yeah. well, now I have nothing to brag about. <laughs> Dude, one month in, I give him a call. I'm like, hey, man, I'm in business school one now. <laughs> yeah, one month in. I didn't even give it a chance. I, I, I hated the coursework. I like school. I like learning and shit, but I hated that coursework. So I was like, there's no way I'm going to do this for four years. You know, like- <laughs> I just don't want to, I, I want to enjoy, yeah, right, exactly. Then another four years after that, and then another four years of, you know, residency, which is working, but you're still, you know, learning and shit. No. I didn't like that. Um, so tried business. I was good at math. So I was like, I'll do finance. And uh, when my dad was like, I'm not, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to deal with you right now. Like I'm fucking pissed. So I had to prove myself at this point. So we went into, I went to find an internship. And the internship ended up being like a four-letter place. I just, at PRMG, I just thought that's all fucking companies. You know, IBM, fucking all these, they just have letters. They don't stand for anything. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't even read into it at all. I did no research prior. I just showed up to this place. And when I showed up, the parking lot's filled with like G-Wagons and Lambos and Bentleys and all this like great, beautiful cars, right? And it was mainly the executives and stuff like that. But the loan officers were driving great cars too. I just didn't know what, went on in that company. I thought mortgages were done through like, you just go to a bank and they're like, oh, I want this house. Like, yeah, yeah. You want, you want that house? Yeah, I want that house. Okay, here's money. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I thought that's how it happened, bro. I literally had no knowledge to it prior. Um, and I just kind of, I loved, I fell in love with the internship. The internship was incredible. I will do a plug for PRMG because they are some of our partners now that buy our loans. And, uh, and they, they just set up an incredible environment for me to learn and grow. And so they, they had this internship opportunity where you go through every department of that, that mortgage company. And they're a huge company. It was the, it was the corporate headquarters in Corona when I was going to school in Riverside, right? So they put you in, start off in retail, right? They basically go soup to nuts on a mortgage. 
start off in retail, you work with the loan officers. That's where the origination actually happens. Then you go to like appraisals and how that happens. You go to processing, how that happens, underwriting, funding, and then also all of the backend shit, like the financing, accounting, uh, secondary market, which is where you sell loans to other banks right. for like future time value of interest. Yeah, you package them up and yeah. hey, here's good debt with bad debt. Yeah, exactly. And so they exposed me to all of that. So in, you know, in a month and a half, no, it was a two month time frame. Uh, did a week in each one of the departments and then you choose which department you want to work in after. And wow. Yeah. So it was That's incredible. That's a very different culture. Yeah. That you don't incredible. normally hear something like that. There's like, and we're going to put you here. Yeah, you get to choose. Wow. You know, so you go like, which one did you like the most? But that department has to want Except, you as yeah. well. Yeah. Right? Like every department wanted me. You know, I'm not just fucking saying that. You know, I'm like, oh, everyone, Come on, everyone loves Every me. department? Every department wanted me. Because I wanted okay. to learn. Because I actually right. wanted to learn. And I was like, you know, the only skill that I feel like I ever had was being personable. I was you about know? to say, and you're personable. I mean, that goes a long way. But that was the only thing I had. Right. Yeah. So it did, it served me really well in that environment and just asking questions, being curious. And uh, the guys at the sales floor and where I found my mentor, Adriel Asparza, he's a fucking incredible dude. He trained me on everything. He's, uh, he's still, you know, one of my best friends today. We work at the same company now. And uh, he just showed me the ropes, dude. He had that Wolf of Wall Street moment where he showed me his W2 and it was like, he's making six figures a month doing this shit. And I was my parents always told me, if you make $100,000, that's like, that's a lot of money. You know? This I never, guy's doing it a month. Yeah. Dude, and I thought, oh, okay, well, I was talking to my friend about this the other day. Was like, I, I was so infatuated with like MTV Cribs, but at MTV Cribs, I'm going, oh, the only people that have houses like that are fucking rappers. You know? Right. Like that, I'm not, I'm not rapping anytime soon. I'm not doing any or music or anything like that. Or rock stars, you know? But they, I never knew any of the other ways of making money. So I fell into the entrepreneurial kind of spirit of things, you know, yeah. where I just- Biology is it. not working. So it, I got a funny story in biology, by the way. <laughs> Tell me. <laughs> in college, I wasn't good at biology either. And uh, I had my now ex-wife take the course for me. Oh, really? It was online. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> there's a 100% chance I'm going to fail that class. Dude, that's what I had with my, my, uh, my now wife did all my Spanish homework. Because it was online. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I don't speak a lick of Spanish, yeah. dude. But I have a four-year degree in it. So <laughs> entrepreneur. Yeah. I mean, that's part of it. Yeah, but I wish I did fucking learn Spanish because in San Diego, if I had new Spanish, I'd do a lot more loans too. Yeah, you would be an anomaly because you'd be Indian who spoke Spanish. Yeah, but they'd be like, but you look. Mexican sometimes. <laughs> so I can't tell you which hat you're wearing. Yeah. <laughs> Depending on what I'm wearing. <laughs> dude, I, dude oh I, I, I absolutely love that entire environment, you know? And uh, Adriel brought me on and he told me, okay, uh, I'll bring you on as an assistant, uh, you know, after the internship and you'd be my marketing assistant and shit. And, you know, after the first year of working with him, we, the, a lot of the things that we deployed worked. Right. So he was telling me, Hey, these are things, do some research, all this kind of stuff. So he was like a really fucking good mentor. Right. Because not only on the marketing side, when we, when we brought a lot of loans in and I mapped everything out and said like, this is how much more volume we did this year. He was like, 
oh shit, let's get you into the loan side of things now, right? So then he started throwing me into, you know, reviewing applications and trying to make some problem solving assessments and all that kind of stuff. So he's like, hey, I want you to create a presentation for this client. Give me the best four options that you think would work for this client on this loan, and then we'll review it. And so literally I would do that all day long, just all the pre-approvals that are coming in, fucking work on them, put them together, put a presentation together and present it to them. And then he was like, there are five things wrong with, with this uh, loan application. What do you think they are? And I was like, fuck, you know, I didn't, I didn't catch that. And so I'm, he's making me critically think. He never gave right. me the answer. He always, you know, kind of pointed me in the direction. He's like, what can you do to find the, the problem here? And what are we going to do to solve it? And so I've just been very situational, just like I, that problem solving skill and just, learn, you know, building that muscle. That's a great, great mentor. Great mentor. Who's given that instead of just saying, oh, you got these five things wrong because you don't learn from it. Yeah. They found it and just showed you versus, hey, go back and look at it again. Yeah. He's, he's incredible at what he does. And I was super grateful to have him in my life. And yeah, I tell him that all the time. You know, we have a running that we're going to, I'm going to see him on Thursday. And we take a picture at our annual holiday party every single year. We've done it for the last nine years. You know, just, here? No, no, no. We have a holiday party in at my parent company at Easy Funnies. Okay. So gotcha. we just go every year. We did it at PRMG for the four years we were there. And we did it here for the last like five years. So we've been there six years, actually. So 10, 10 years now that I've known the guy. Damn. So it... And he's, you know, he was at my wedding. He knows my wife. He, you know, I know his wife, his kids call me their uncle and stuff like that. It's a beautiful relationship that we built just off of this thing. But he was probably that starting point for me. You know, the, the company was, you know, the, the starting point actually. And then finding him and him just wanting to take me on as a mentee and like teaching me everything. That's, that's how I got into it really. And then so he put that fire in my belly, dude, because we're like, you know, we're, we're touching shit ton of money every single month. Every and I'm month. seeing those checks come in, you know, and I'm just like, and then he starts, you know, putting me in there when I got my loan officer license and I'm his junior now, I can make commissions on all the loans that we're touching. By the time we're done in the four year time span, I've done like 540 loans with him. And, you know, most loan officers do 12 to 24 loans in a year, right? So I got this exposure that, people get in the entire career of being a loan officer for like 30 years. Wow. So I learned the good, the bad, the ugly, the ugliest. And so I was just like, I've, I feel very ready, you know? And so once I graduated, I came back to San Diego and I just fucking hit the ground running and started, started doing everything that everyone told me to do. So how come you didn't stay up there? And work with that company. I wanted to be in San Diego. We, I was with that company in San Diego. Oh, gotcha. But then we switched over to Easy Fundings, which is my now company, parent company, which was a broker that was exploding. And we'd just been, you know, exchanging deals with them for years, right? And just an honest God, great guy, the CEO of Easy Fundings, Tano. He's uh, one of my favorite people. He took me on as a mentee as well, right? And then that was the acceleration of production, where, you know, when I came to San Diego, we switched over there. There was a lot that he taught me about what I was doing wrong as a loan officer, right? Because it's not just you can identify what's going on with the loan. It's customer experience and being, you know, being a fucking uh, a cleaner in your business and just fucking problem solving, but also doing it at a level where people respect you, you know, because he was like, look, you're 22 years old. You're going to have some fucking battles, with people. They're not going to trust you. You're not going to do this. You got to fucking spit your game the best way that you can. 
And that's what he taught me. So it's just like, it, and, and I always tell this to people that ask me, like, how do you get started? What do you, what should you do? So find a mentor, dude. If you yeah. can have, if you can work underneath someone and they will walk you through the process, show you how the sausage is made, then you're going to be in a much, a much better place. It's a four-year delay for you to explode on the, on, the, on the other end of it. And it doesn't have to be four years. It's four years for me because I was in college, right? It could be a year, two years. Some people probably learn a lot quicker than I do. But I like to be thorough, you know? That's, I mean, it goes to damn near everything you want to do, man. You go find a mentor or find a good company and get a mentor in that company to teach you what you want to do. Yeah. You're going to have leaps and bounds. You know, I, man, yeah, I didn't do any of that. I did it. I didn't know anything about any industry I opened a business in. That's literally the way I, where I'd say I'm the least entrepreneurial entrepreneur ever. Yeah. Right. Cause I wasn't a self-starter. Well, you know, I didn't go and do all this shit like uh, on my own. I had just been in the right place at the right time and decided to be opportunistic. I think I have to disagree though. Okay. I have to disagree with that. I think you are. You know what I mean? I think now I am. Now you know me though. Right. That's true. So it, it's different now. Now I kind of fallen into that. Right. Uh, my story, my origin story. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I did not fall. No. And I don't think, I mean, unless you went to like a legit entrepreneurship school, you know, and I'm not saying, you know, I've never been, I've got my degree in business, but if you go, I don't even know what a legit entrepreneurship school is. You know, I, th- I, dude, I, I think it's honestly it like selling candy bars and yeah. fucking lemonade and shit like that when you're like five or six, you know, it's about doing. <laughs> yeah. That is a school. Was, you dude, don't I have to go pay for tour, that, bro. Yeah. You were on tour. I played World of Warcraft for 12 years. Oh dude. my God. I was in there. Uh, and I loved every fucking minute of it, dude. I still, dude, the glory days. <laughs> Do you play now? No. I have no, no time to. Dude, yeah. I, but I love it. The, my entire office, the original inspiration was to be a gaming, like, like a gaming forward company. Because one of my goals is to own a gaming team. Really? Yeah. Still? I was like, I, yes, still. It, that, I think that's, that's the next generation of franchises, right? Like in sports, isn't it? Esports. Is gaming. Gaming. Interesting concept. I've never looked at it that way. Dude. I, it, I've, these, I've got, these. I love your inspiration because I, I have the same inspiration. Not gaming because like I'm pretty good on Call of Duty. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> man, I'll, I'll shoot some shit, but yeah. uh, just good thing they don't have friendly fire because I'm the one spraying. Just like, I just see it. I'm just like, you can turn it on. <laughs> oh, I can turn it on. <laughs> I, I mean, I do pretty good, but uh, yeah, it's been forever since I played. Actually, not forever. I just played it recently and just got a few, few hours. And I was just with like, the gamer tag, dude. I was, we played Warzone and shit like that. I don't play World of Warcraft anymore. That's more of like an intense, like you're in there. Right. <laughs> you know, like you just like, you, you get sucked into that world. You're in a realm. Yeah. You're in your own realm. Dude. Reality is yeah. not reality anymore. Your right. fucking World of Warcraft is reality. Witchcraft. Yeah. I've, I've never, I've never played it. It's, it's a, I don't want to spend too much time on it, but it's a, an incredible, like expansive game. Right. So yeah. I, it, the thing is like the, the friends that I played with, they're still my best friends today, you know, like uh, since elementary school. Are they crushing it too on there? Yeah. They, they, they play still. Wow. You know, so it's not entrepreneurial, right? They're more, they, they have their careers and yeah. all that kind of stuff. They got the nine to fives. They, yeah. They, but they love their shit. Yeah. They do their thing and they enjoy their life. And I fucking respect the shit out of that. And I love that they're exactly who they were when we grew up. Yeah. No, no, man. Right on, dude. I love your vision. I love how you're, maybe you're seeing something into this next set of sports 
And that that's incredible, man. I want trophy truck. That's what I want. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Just fucking race those motherfuckers yeah. in the dirt? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I want. We're going to get so, you a Raptor. Uh, you like a Raptor? Well, yeah, I'd like a Raptor. I'd take a Raptor. Dude. I would drive it. I feel it. like that's a, that's a shit where you can turn that into a trophy truck, right? Or do you have, does it have to be lighter? Man, I don't, I didn't say I know everything about trophy <laughs> trucks. <laughs> I just, I just said I want red, white, badass brew to have a trophy truck and I get to pretend I'm driving it on Instagram. I'm driving it. Okay. We can, we <laughs> but can in real life, one of those, those real life, I got Billy Bob Thornton drugs. probably behind the wheel, you know, fucking <laughs> <laughs> like bad Santa. <laughs> uh, but yeah, man, uh, that's, that's my dream. That's your dream? The trophy yeah. truck for your company? Yeah, and what I mean, about deeper them. into Red, White, and Badass is how it, like, when you think about, you know, where you want to take that company and grow to and scale to, how is that when you, when you think about doing that? I cry. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I cry. Me too. Uh, I get stressed out. Yeah. I mean, where do I want to take it? The thing is, is with that, it's endless. It's only the ceiling is only where you cap it. Right. You know, so uh, Starbucks started off as a fucking small little coffee shop. It, it, now they're on every corner like McDonald's. Dude, they're on every corner multiple times. It, yeah. <laughs> they have is, a Starbucks in the same parking lot as there's a Vons and another Starbucks in that Vons. That's, yeah. And Target, there's a Starbucks, yeah, Starbucks in, the, in the parking lot. Yeah. And there's a Starbucks and, in the parking lot as well. And then and I'm talking about in Santee, California. And then on the same street, not even in the same town. So you have Target and then you have Starbucks. And this is in Santee. And then on Magnolia, you have two Starbucks locations. And then, yeah, man. It, it, fuck, dude. They've done that three times. Yeah. So let me, let me ask you this. Do you think that because of the expansion that they had and because they kind of delivered themselves into every corner of the, the world, that it reduced the quality of coffee. Yeah. So yeah. would that be a, something that would prevent you from going and scaling because you focus so much on the quality? I love your coffee. We, that's, we exclusively drink your coffee in this office now. But is, is that something that you would be able to walk away from a little bit because you could scale up higher? Or is the quality more important to you? So that, it, that's a loaded question. So when I... When I envisioned this, I didn't want low quality coffee. Right. I wanted a premium cup of coffee, but it's not your, dude, this business is, is not even actually about coffee. Okay. It's okay. about a mission. Okay. To help stop veteran suicides. Right. That's what the business is really about. It, the coffee is just my vehicle. Right. Like okay. everything I sell I that. is just a vehicle, but my mission is what's important to me. Coffee is just, providing me a, a product. Okay. So I can, you know, support my mission. Okay. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really not even about So it coffee. just became a business. It was just something that we're, you oh. know, this is something that you just enjoy, but it allows you to be in front of the right people. I'll be coming on your show and I'll tell you all about it. Okay. Because it's, I mean, it's, it's a story in itself. Yeah. I mean, I think you know a little bit about it. Yeah. You know, but it's not, it, it, the road wasn't paved easy. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's a grind, man. No pun intended. It's a grind. Uh, pun intended. Pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's, you know, it, it's, it, but each business I've been into, it's always been its separate kind of grind. 
Yeah. No matter what. Now the map is kind of the same, but an e-commerce business is complete. It's fucking difficult. I feel like super difficult. But when you, when you take the meat and the, you know, all that shit off of every business has the same kind of skeleton though. You know, it's a, it's got, it's not done the right way or maybe the pieces aren't put together the exact same way, but it's still the same skeleton. It's the meat that makes it different, right? It's all the other shit that gets added on, but business in itself is what I really learned kind of going through my own stuff, right? Is you can have so much application from someone else in a completely different industry that tells you this is working for me and this side, but you don't think about it because you can be so centered on what everyone's doing in your industry, you know, but you have someone that's in this industry that's doing, you know, leaps and bounds better in a certain sector because they're thinking about it differently because that's something that they're, they're used to, or that's something that they were exposed to. I definitely would walk away from advice. Yeah. That I definitely wouldn't walk away from. Because you never know when you might hit a golden nugget. Oh, for you sure. Know, you might, you might be three gold. feet from gold. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out, Greg. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, you never know. So, yeah, I mean, the skeleton in business is different, but being in different businesses, uh, they are different. I mean, like sure. I, I had a construction business. So okay, yeah. the way I marketed my construction business was completely separate from how I market my coffee business because I didn't have online presence. Right. I, I had to have a website per the government and say, I exist. Right. This is verification of you are a real company. You exist. Yeah. Is that mainly so, referral based on the construction side or is it more? Yeah. So the referral based on when you did uh private construction. Right. On commercial lowest bid, lowest bid. Okay. It, it you're doing government or private, it's lowest bid. Right. You know, it's unless like you're that. in it's a like different dogs, program. Right? Oh, like, it is. Yeah. Oh, it is. Like, <clears throat> hey, can you do this three hundred thousand dollar job for two ninety five? Two ninety. It's like always on the cusp of going broke. Right. Um, like, you know, they're so like, you have the budgets. But we're like, we're, look, you're gonna work here with the government, it's gonna be secure. We're not saying that it's gonna be fruitful for you, but you're gonna yeah. be working. So there used to be a running joke. <laughs> in the construction industry. And now it's long gone. Uh, there was a boat, there was a yacht and then there was a dinghy and the dinghy was named contract and the yacht was named change orders. <laughs> and it, I mean, it's right. So like, it was like, okay, I get it. I, yeah. I can get, it. I can wrap my head around that because before they checked the change orders, it'd just be like, right. You know, just fruitful. But, um, and, and rightfully so because it's a pain in the fucking ass. Yeah. But I hated the industry, man. It, it was a mental thing for me. I hated it. My dad was a, he owned a, he owned a construction business and I absolutely hated it. And yeah. I, I fell into it. Yeah, I fell. I, fell into I, it. I, I fell into it. But you it. didn't like it. I hated it. Hated it. it. Hated it. After my business struggle. Was it because you were exposed to it for so long that you just didn't, it didn't excite you? Or was it just I, fucking. I just, fucking hated the people in it, dude. Okay. Really? The people yeah. in it? Or scumbag, not all of them. And if you're in a construction company, not all of them. There is some good people, but dude, there is some shady ass people. And it's just so cutthroat. Right. Like everybody is out for themselves. And that's not how I operate, man. I operate with a team mentality. Mm-hmm. And it's so hard to do co- in an industry though, right? Like, like uh, for example, with the mortgage side and with real estate and shit, right? I always, I always feel for real estate agents because you don't have like a price. You know what I mean? You can lower your commission and all that kind of stuff. But if you're working with a buyer, it's just whatever the commission is, Mm -hmm. is what it is. 
And so your competition is who likes, you know, that you. person or you more. Right. And that's going to weigh, but or are you in front of this person first? And that's a fucking struggle because that's, that is a grind. You have to be in front of people at all times. You can't really do. And that's why I like the lending side. But our struggle is who's got the lowest interest rate because everyone cares about, obviously, and for right, rightfully so, cares about how much they're going to be paying for their house every single month. Right. You know, and it's hard to sell someone on, look, my experience is a lot better in terms of getting you to what you need to go to and actually getting you that house with the right information, but it's going to cost you a little bit more per month. And they're just like, mm, nah, I'm just going to go over here and I don't care if my process is horrible because I'm saving money every single month. Yeah. And that's like the most frustrating fucking shit with, with mortgages. I, I bet. I bet that is. Yeah. I, and not only, probably, I'm sure three years ago, it wasn't that point. It yeah. was just <laughs> feast or famine, right? Yeah. But now- It's also who you get in front of. So like it, in mortgages, same thing, right? You have these giant companies uh -huh. that will, they, dude, okay. So this literally happens in the industry, right? There's just a shit company that has a bunch of fucking people that are calling and they send out mailers to everybody in the United States and they have the name of the last company that did their loan, right? Yep. So they're like, and it's, it looks like I sent them mail. <laughs> what? Literally. Yeah. It's saying attention like this, and this is like easy fundings or next level lender and all the like whatever. And it looks like it's coming from me, but, and very on the, very small on the bottom, it says what the actual company is. And so, uh, luckily we have a good relationship with all of our clients. Right. So they would literally send me a picture of this shit and go, is this you? Can you offer this rate? And it'd be offering like a 1.49. Didn't exist, right? But it costs you like fucking $80,000, you know? Then you get a 1.49%. Wow. And they're just like, it's, but there's, there's no regulation against that because they- They just their, their, yeah. yeah. They didn't say that this is coming from this. They just put the name in there so that you would open the mail. That's wild. I'm surprised that's not illegal. Yeah. And it just happened everywhere. You know, and then same thing, fucking uh, the credit bureaus, right? Equifax, TransUnion, Experian, they sell their data. So yeah. anytime someone buys a, or anyone, someone gets a credit report ran by a mortgage institution specifically, you can buy that data and just call someone like, hey, I just saw you got your uh, mortgage credit ran. Are you looking to buy a house? And Which I don't think that should be legal at no, all. No. If they're a credit reporting agency, but they not, are not able- they're private. They're not publicly or governed by the government agencies or anything like that. People think that the government agencies run those fucking things. And no, it, they're private. It's completely private. Yeah. I, they, I, they just dictate your life. Right. Right. And they hold all your data. That's why I hate the government. Yeah. No. <laughs> we, can, we can get in. We're going to get into that maybe later on in the uh, other side of this interview. Yeah. I'm down. So you, you so you, you walk, walk it back and go into this industry, but you didn't, how did you start off owning your own business? How did you get into it? Um, it, it became like a, a thing when I was a loan officer, I was just, I was working fucking endless hours, just like the, I was talking about with the agents, right? That they're in front of people, right? So I was doing open houses every single weekend. I'm going on meetings every single week. I'm taking these agents out for, you know, I, I was a little bit extra. I would take them a bottle service and all this kind of stuff. And it was fucking just like any money coming in is fucking going out to expose and get, 
wider and wider and wider, right? Get, get us drawn this huge audience. And, uh, and before I kind of really, I didn't really know anything about business. Right. But I kind of thought back to Adriel cause I'm, he taught me how to be, uh, a loan officer, right? Like a really good loan officer, but I didn't really know too much about actual like business building in terms of hiring people and all this kind of stuff. So that's when I started actually paying for coaching. And then, you know, uh, they were telling me like, you got to get an assistant, you know? And so then I got assistance and I didn't know how to be a boss or a leader. And so that fucked me up. Right. And so like my first assistant, like I've had, I had him for like three or four months and it, it was like spinning wheels. Like I was still doing everything, but I was paying. Right. Right. And then that just didn't work out. So got rid of them. Then I tried to get with, uh, uh, another loan officer. We partnered up together. He had experience and shit. I was like, okay, look, I'll just partner with him. We'll go 50, 50 and we'll build a company together. And so he was the one that really had a lot of business sense. And, uh, and he wanted to go and be a mortgage broker and a real estate agent. And I didn't really, I didn't really want to do that. I was always, you know, I'll just be real. I'll just be mortgages. I'm, I'm not going to touch real estate at all. Cause I'd rather full ass one thing than half ass two things. Right. Um, he was successful with it, but I just, you know, I knew it would rub a lot of people the wrong way that, that I worked with personally. So then that kind of threw me into building my own business. And that happened right in March. So I had this business in March of 2020. Okay. Oh, so, so, uh, so in 2018 or yeah, 2018, I did this business partnership and for, you know, like a year and a half, we were doing the things together. We were going to meetings together, all this kind of stuff. And he was just teaching me a lot about like, you know, how he used to build this shit and like hiring people and how to manage them and all this kind of stuff, which was, you know, really good, um, experience for me. Right. But it was a lot of grunt work on my end. He was, you know, having his, uh, he had his family, he's just having kids and all this stuff. And so yeah, I'm, and I was willing to do a lot of the work, right. He didn't like make me do all this shit. I was willing to, but, um, you know, I think when 2020 happened, he wanted to go do mortgage and real estate and shit. Maybe he had some foresight I didn't see, but, uh, I got the business back a hundred percent and now I was just a sole business owner. So I fell into it. Literally. Wow. Again. So I'm like, fuck. That's a, now what do I do? That's a crazy fucking story, dude. Dude. And uh, the problem is um, all the employees that we had, they fucked with us because of him, not because of me. Cause I was the young, dumb, stupid person. Right. Yeah. So you're the fun guy. Yeah. It's the fun guy. And, but they didn't feel like that was the person that was going to navigate them through the waters of COVID. Right. Yep. Which falls back on me. I didn't put myself in a leadership role. I put myself in a friend role or in a, you know, like, oh, I'm, I'm just here to make money role, you know? And so when he left, they all left. So then I'm left with a ticket with all these loans that we had. And so fucking dude, beginning of COVID, everyone else was having a great time. I was literally four o'clock in the morning to like one o'clock in the morning, just working on loans because I had no one to help me out with it. I didn't know anything about them like the actual back end of the loan or anything like that in terms of the process. Cause I'd just been straightforward on going and selling. So I had these like 17 loans that I had to close and that's a fucking shit ton in one month. Wow. And uh, so I would just be drinking Trulies, dude. Cause that was what you did during COVID ripping the bong and just closing these loans. 
And that was it for a month. And I got so tired. I made a shit ton of money, but I got so tired from it. I just fucking like, I took a month off. And arguably during that time too, because you know, it's, you're doing too much volume. I didn't have the ability to communicate the way I used to. I lost a lot of reputation and a lot of like, you know, good face with the agents we were working with at that time. Right. You know, yeah, you're falling and, short. And I'm trying to sacrifice COVID too. You're going to have to sacrifice something yeah. somewhere. And it was your customer service that sacrifice ultimately, 100%. which is, I, I don't know, man, when you reflect back on that, would you have changed that? Would you have sacrificed the loans taking a little bit longer versus the customer service? No, the problem is the loans taking a little bit longer is customer service, right? So if it takes long, that's the thing that they harp over. Yeah. Right? Yeah, because it the could, fuck, is, about, oh, could fuck, why, them, fuck up closing. Right, right. But then the problem is you're going, oh, why is this not something that's working now? Why is this not working now? Why is this not working now? But what, what they, what I didn't communicate well enough or didn't know how to communicate well enough and what happened was during COVID, all the regulation changed like this, you know, like all the banks were changing their guidelines. They're putting overlays on their guidelines. I can't fucking do anything about that. You know, like there's nothing I could, I, that's just, yeah. I have to follow the fucking rules. And, uh, and so that ultimately just ended up in me, you know, having to just weasel my way through it and just like, look, we're going to fucking get it done. Don't worry. Like I'm handling it. And it got handled and these loans all closed, but they just didn't like the experience, right? The customer service wasn't there. Why didn't you answer the phone enough? It was like, well, I'm fucking working on every loan. Like if you're calling me, I can't work on the loan because I don't have anyone to help me work on the loans. Whereas before I had people working on the loans and I would just be talking to the clients and working them through them or helping them out and being available for them. Right. Right. So I saw a system that worked and I had a system that didn't. And it was just, happened to me because I didn't expect everyone to leave, you yeah. know, but that's, and they left, did they start another company? No, no, no. They left, they left, uh, this was the so first iteration of it. Right. So this is COVID. Um, yeah. and they left because, uh, the bigger companies around here, they were going and eating up everybody that was like a processor and underwriter and all this stuff. And basically what I was paying my processors with salary and bonuses, they just paid them straight salary more than what I was paying them. Wow. W2. And so they went, oh, that's a great, that's a great uh, thing that we can, we can get that done. And I don't have to worry about bonus checks and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I don't know. And literally they told me like, we don't think that you're going to be able to sustain uh, business and build business and keep on doing the volume we've been doing uh, through this thing that's happening right now with COVID. And I understood. I mean, they're, they're older than me and I'm fucking 24 at this point, you know, 25, 24. And they're like in their thirties and shit. I'm like, trust me, trust me. I got this. <laughs> I've never navigated anything like that. So, but, but neither have you like, give me a shot, you know? Right. But it, it ended up being a good thing, you know, because then that led to me really kind of taking the next level lender brand and turning it into a business. Cause I was like, I never want to be just the singular loan officer ever again. You know, I want to have a business. I want to be able to control the experience. I want to have full control over how the process goes. And that's what I'm going to do. And so I just spent two months building a business plan out, writing out everything that I would want to have. Uh, client experience, step-by-step, like 360 touch points through an entire loan process. And it, it, was a, it was a good time for me. You know, it really was. 
And that's when I really started kind of fixing myself. I went to therapy. You, I was about to say, and, what do you mean fixing yourself? Yeah. So I, I went to therapy and stuff. I was, I was drinking a lot because also at the same time, I was uh, my now wife, I was broken up with her for just at the end of 2019. You know, so we hadn't been together. I hated that. She's the love of my life. Obviously, I'm married to her now. So thank God. But that was because I was working so much, you know, that I that she was like, we never have any time together. You never spend any weekends. We, she lived in Orange County. I lived here. Mm. And then I have to explain to her, we don't see each other and shit like that. And then Friday night, I'm at the club, right? Because oh, I'm buying yeah. bottle service for the agents, but I'm with all these agents. She's like, okay, so you can go off and, uh, you know, go and drink and stuff like that and just call it work. But it is, you yeah, know, and it's, it's the a hard, fun side of work. <laughs> yeah. It, it's a hard pill to swallow, but that's what built my business. Cause I was the guy that was and, fun with all the agents. And on the flip side of her side is all she, she just wanted time is you partying yeah. and she Not just spending wants time a with little her. bit of your time. Exactly. You know? And so I fucked up. Right. And so for me, I was like, well, you know, she doesn't want to talk to me. Like none of this kind of stuff. So it was just like no conversations at all. That fucked me. So then I started drinking a bunch more, going out a lot more, all that kind of stuff. And I was, you know, 24, 25 and I had money now. Right. So it was just like a recipe for disaster, but COVID kind of forced me to be in a shell and kind of sit with myself and understand that like, wow, I'm, I'm probably not all up here, like, like perfectly. So I need to, I need to kind of go and go and identify what's, pro what's the problem so I can solve it. I don't think enough people reflected on yeah, themselves I, in COVID. Yeah. They didn't take that time. Yeah. Well, I mean, they were, they were either having fun or they got completely, you know, shadowed into a little box of their life and they got comfortable there which is the enemy of success. I agree. Yeah. I agree. That's the number one to take you down. You know, well, we're going to hear more about this when we come back from the break. But before we go, we want to thank Go Man Go Productions. Their production quality is top notch. And we're the reason why we have a badass podcast. Oh, yeah. Is because of Tony doing the production. He's awesome. Go check him out at Go Man Go Productions. Go Tony check Hickey. him out. Tony Hickey. Tony Hickey. At He's one great. point in, at one point in your life, his last name has <laughs> been on your body. <laughs> That's it. Just new tagline. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go get uh, a hooky right now. Oh, just, you, go, go. you want to do it? Yeah. All right. Double hickey. All right. So yeah. Yeah. We'll All come right. back from this, uh, this break and I will have my sweater like this. Yep, he's going to have a new hardware. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. We'll be back. Hey, cat badasses. Our Patreon is live and accepting memberships right now. And for only $3 a month, you get some cool benefits with it. Chance to win red, white, and badass Bruce coffee every month and exclusive content, just to name a few. So go to the link, go to our Patreon account, and become a Cab Badass member. Welcome back for the break to Cab Podcast. But first, if you haven't checked out Red, White, and Badass Brew, coffee is Bowls American Spirit, you should go check it out. It's at the link below. It's in our bio. Go check out the coffee. They have some badass roast. 
but it's also the mission that's important as to help stop veteran suicide. Go check them out. Buddy, back from the break. That's right. I'm empty. Drain the main vein. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I only got a little main vein though. So oh. it didn't take long. Oh, same here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> the that's pillar to success thing. is to have a bigger main vein. That's right. That's right. <laughs> oh my God. Oh shit. That we, we'll get into more of that yeah. in the exclusive yeah. stuff. Yeah, We're going to compare our sizes. <laughs> only on OnlyFans. That's it. You have to pay. You have to pay to subscribe. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Dude, the pillars of success. How would you define them for next level? Uh, the pillars of success, I'd say the number one is, um, is for, for me personally, and I know this doesn't go for everybody, but it's the, the, the relationship aspect of things, right? So like my entire life and everything is built off of, we were talking about it earlier, the personability, right? Just building and maintaining like relationships with people, right? Which is um, ironically the pillar that I have and the pillar that I've lost multiple times, you know, because of the customer experience and all that kind of stuff. So it's definitely relationships. Um, I'd say the next one would be systems and process. And the next one after that would be marketability and personal brand. So a lot of that all just kind of culminates into bringing a good business together, right? When someone trusts you and they know that you have a good brand behind you and you have a great system to be able to actually manage your business and you have a fluid process that you can explain to somebody and they can understand it and they can feel it throughout that process. That just in our business and loan and being a loan officer and being a lending company and being in real estate is it it just really only takes those three for me personally. I think you touched on a key moment or a key element that I think a lot of people are now realizing is relationships. Yeah. They didn't, they don't realize how important relationships are. It's like a, a one-off thing. Yeah. You know, it's, I, I want that experience to keep going with every loan that you get through me, not just this one loan yeah. experience, but. And, and everything that's thereafter, right? Cause like. What's me, thereafter? Like we have, when we finish a loan, that's not the, the last time we talk to our clients. You know what I mean? They're not just our client for, when you start the loan process and when you fund a loan and okay, bye, have a great day. Right? Really? It's, it's all the conversations we have after that. It's the Thanksgiving messages. It's the happy birthday messages, the check-ins. And it's that trust you build with the client where you become friends with someone and they start talking to you about random shit, you know? And that's a lot of my clients that I have. I love that shit because when they talk to me, I'm not having a conversation where it's trying to pull teeth and trying to get to a, an agenda right? Where I'm going, okay, at the end of this conversation, I need to make sure that I ask for business or I need to make sure that I remind them that I'm their loan officer and stuff. They just, they know me. And so when that time does come, they always call me, right? But it's maintaining that relationship. That's been what we do. That's a little bit special. You know, our clients feel like they can come here to the office. They can give me a call. They can talk to me about whatever. And so they're not scared. They're more, they're less reluctant to give me all the information that I need to be able to do my job the best way I can. That's, that's a lot of things people don't have is the afterthought because I've never heard from my loan officer after the loan closes. It's just like, thanks for the check. Yeah. Maybe see you next time. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. remember when you're ready to refinance, give me a call, but they'll never call you to ask you. 
No. Or they're never, they don't, because they're as good as their last transaction or they're only focused on the next transaction. They're not focused on, I dude, I've done loans for my clients multiple times and I've only been in the business really originating, <laughs> right? I've been in the industry for nine, almost 10 years, but I've been originating loans for six, you know? So once, since I got out of college where I started doing it on my own. And in that time, I've had clients that I've done five loans for, six loans for already because they come back and they know I have their shit. I know, I know what I'm doing and they like who I am. You know, so it's that lifetime value. Yeah. Yeah. It's that personal touch that you keep touching that person. Yeah. You know, Boop. with permission. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, and it's okay with permission. Yeah. But <laughs> absolutely. You know, <laughs> I'm feeling some unwanted touches. <laughs> Dude, you know, that, that, but, that's like the pillar. That's a huge pillar for real estate. You but you're know, also building something kind of pretty badass in here too, though. Yeah. You know, that I don't think I've really seen. And you can get into your vision. I know your vision. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to say it, but, you know, this, this ecosystem that you talked about, you're really kind of festering a or incubating it's like incubation success. is definitely what it is. You're yeah. incubating success, you know, by what, how you're doing it. By um, being warm and being open and being willing to, you know, bring other people in here and hear their perspective and hear what they have going on. Because we've, dude, what we have in here in our office is, it's, it's an evolution of what's happened, right? Before my entire pro thought process behind the office was I get so many desks and get all these places so I can have a bunch of employees that are in here. And we're just going to pump and dump a bunch of fucking business and we'll have a customer service basis. We'll have all this stuff. And I want them here. Right. But then what it grew to was everyone loved the office. They wanted to be here. They wanted to hang out here. You know, yeah, come and work in here. Cause I, cause it makes me work too. You know, when other people are working, it makes me work. And we have these fluid conversations about business all day long. So it is just an incubator that we're building. It's, and it's having multiple different business areas, right? We have marketing people, that don't have anything to do with mortgages or anything like that. They just understand marketing and they help us out. They help all the agents out. They'll talk to them and give them time because we give them a space and we give them time. You know, we have SEO agency and everything like that. That's in here. We have um, real estate teams that come in here, different real estate agents that are from different teams, which they never would come into one place and work because usually the, the thought process is I have my team. My team has an office. I'm going to that office. That's my office. But this is neutral ground, right? Where you can have perspective from everybody. And that's why they love being in here. And then we have the event space and everything too, because it brings more people and more eyes on the office and shows them what we're building and shows them how we are and who we are. And that just establishes a better rapport, better trust basis for us to do business together. So it's a lot less of a hassle for me to call someone. Someone's happy when I'm calling them a lot of the times, right? Not every time I'm saying that, but... When I call them, it's always like a fun conversation. That's the environment that I like to build. I want you to answer my phone because it's not always going to be about business. I actually genuinely care about you, right? I want to talk to you. And that leads to really good business being done. What gave you that inspiration to do, to do this? Because in your line of work, it's generally employees, 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 high turnover yeah. type thing, right? Yeah. Because L I think LOs or uh, loan officers are, it's a very yeah. high turnover industry, right? Yeah. Uh, especially now that when there's hardly any loans and we'll get into that here in a second, but you know, how do you, how did you kind of harvest and come up with this idea to create this? 
it, it, again, I fell into it. Right. It just, it just happened because when COVID happened, I was working in my apartment, right. I had a sick ass apartment. I loved working in it. Um, but I hated that I woke up, I got out of bed and I rolled onto my desk basically, you know, and it just worked. And then I didn't have like my own zone. You know, I didn't have anything that was like just calming or neutral for me to just decompress. So I'll always go, go, go. Cause it's, my, my office is right here in the same place that I sleep and eat and shit and shave. Then I'm just going to be okay with jumping on the computer and working. And I had no respect for myself for my time. And so that leads to, you know, you're going to be stressed. You're not going to do your best job. You're not going to be the best version of yourself, which leads to being a great leader. And so I got out of the area and I went to go find an office because I was also at that time scaling up. So I hired you know, one of my really good friends and I hired my brother. And so we were, you know, starting a, the whole business and everything like that. We got a little office in this building and it was probably just as big as like uh, the kitchen area to the window right here. Right. So nothing huge. Right. There was like yeah. three small offices and then a hallway and that was it. And we all had our own office that we worked in and all that kind of stuff. And before I knew it, like a lot of my friends that I, I started becoming friends with in downtown, cause like I was exposed to this whole, you know, young entrepreneur, rich, successful lifestyle. Um, I met other people that were doing that in different industries. They were like, Oh shit, dude, I hate working at my house too. And so I was just like, dude, come, I have extra space in my office. Come work whenever you want to in here. Cause why not? We're just fucking working. You know, I would love to get, you know, you you can help me out with marketing. One of my friends, or one of my friends, we had a marketing uh, company together. Right. So I was like, dude, just work in here. That way, if you need my help or anything like that, and I'm not super busy on the next level lender stuff, then I can come and help out with the marketing side too. We can just have like good synergy and also I'll expose you to a lot of the agents that I'm working with. So maybe that'll be more clients for us as well. Right. So it just ended up happening. And uh, more people wanted to come in and they started asking me, someone's talking about the office. Like, hey, oh, can I come and work at the office too? And it actually led me to getting a second office across the hallway and putting my team in that office and making my office more of a sales office, a collaborative space with everybody that I was friends with and all that kind of shit. And, uh, and it kept growing. And so I got an even bigger office that was on the other side where we combined everything, but I had like six private offices and open floor space for sales teams for my friends and sales teams for myself, agents to work in, gave some agents offices, had a conference room because I wanted one. And then my team on one side as well. And then, uh, and then this office happened because the building owner, as you've seen, you know, you guys can't see it, but you've seen it. <laughs> oh yeah. You know, he was like, we're going to make half of these things apartments and half of them uh, commercial units because he has that zoning designation. So I was like, okay, so you're going to make this side apartments? Like, yeah, um, I had like a year on the lease. So I asked him, I was like, well, can I go on the other side? And you can just start demoing this one and just give me an office of the same size or bigger. And he showed me this office. It was originally like the same size, but it was two offices. I was like, knock that fucking wall down. Give me both. And uh, that's exactly what we did. And then he let me redesign the whole thing myself. So I was like, I can get rid of the fucking short ceilings. I can get rid of the fluorescent bulbs. I can do make it my own space. He's like, yeah, do your own thing. And, it, and then uh, I always envisioned having like an event space on the back end because the old office had a balcony, but it was skinny and it was long. Dude, it's dope, man. You got yeah. a sick, I mean, the space is great. Dude, it, that just all because it just happened. 
right? Yeah. I had a lot of people here. And so I like to host, you know, and make my office basically a place that I, that it's, it's a, it's an extension of me. Right. You know, that's why we built a conference table. That's why it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a fun environment. That's why we have the event space. That's why we have the bar and all that kind of stuff. And dude, I had my engagement party here at my office and my entire family loved it. And my new, and my, my, my wife's family loved it too. They were like, you know, they were impressed by the office. They just loved kind of who, how it was. And they were like, this is so you, you know, you, you should just tag at the office. Yeah. Like, <laughs> next level lender headquarters, next level offices is usually yep. what I say. The next level offices. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause you have a quite of a, like you said, marketing to influencers to, I mean, everybody in this yeah. office, like I was, I was shocked because I've heard of this kind of environment a little bit, but I wasn't quite, uh, what you might call it, uh, unsure. Right. You know what I mean? Cause it's traditional, it's untraditional way of thinking. Yeah. It's different. And it's, yeah. and it's, uh, there's no real clear path. No, know? there's and not. That's, and that's the, that's the fun part about it because I like to kind of mix it up. I like to be creative. I like to have, uh, different days, you know? I don't want to have the same day over and over and over and over and over again, right? Routine is important, but you know, I like to see different faces. I like to get exposed to new things. I like to learn new shit, right? Like we have successful YouTube people that come in here. We have yeah. all the people from the podcast that come here that I get exposed to, which is why also, you know, I, I was like, I'm not going to put my brand anywhere in this podcast room because right. I want people to feel invited to come in and do their own podcast because that's just more exposure for me, it, you know? It's brilliant. It is. And I don't have to charge for it. I don't have to do any of this kind of stuff because I, I thoroughly enjoy you being here and thoroughly enjoy, you know, meeting the people that are in your ecosystem and in your surroundings as well. It's just fun for me. You know, the, the thing is this whole, this whole realm, it just thrown into a different ecosystem that I've ever been used to. Yeah. It's, it's wild. Yeah. You know, and, and I love it. And, uh, and, and most people don't have this. Right. And so that's when they come here, it's like, oh shit. I didn't even know this existed in this fucking building, right? There's garage doors and the fucking apartments and Airbnbs and fucking massage places and all. It's going to be just, this is away from everything. You don't expect it. So after you come on the podcast to relax, there's a massage. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Somewhere in the building. <laughs> Dude, no, the fucking place above us that's like bigger than my office. They're literally a massage uh, and beautician like a uh, training facility. What? Yes. And Dude, they, I swear to God, the elevator only goes to two. No, it goes to three. Oh shit. I'll take you up here after. I'll take you up there after. There's an entire hotel upstairs called Chow. <laughs> so it's all Airbnb. And then right next to it's a beautician and fucking Is it called Chow Chow Massage? <laughs> <laughs> say goodbye to your stress. Yeah, say <laughs> Chow. Hope you come again. <laughs> All right, I'm going to send Dustin upstairs really quick. Like, yeah, I'll be back. <laughs> Another break. No. Dude, that's, I, I, every time I hear our song, I'm just like. It gets me amped. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's a good I sound. I am ready. Yeah. Let's 100%. go. A hundred percent. You know. <laughs> oh my God, dude. The. The, how you, dude, I, I was amazed. I was shocked when I met you, uh, how you've created this and how you're building it. And I was like, wow, that's just different. It's yeah, just like, different, I like man. being different, you know? you know? And, uh, like I said, I'm coming here to work. 
Yeah. Because I like, I like the energy in your place. A hundred percent. You've really I've, built some I've, good energy. I've always said that and made like multiple videos about it. Right. Where I don't deny anyone to come and work from my office. The only thing that I will deny is a negative energy, right? Someone that's not bringing the same vibe and the same positivity that allows everyone to kind of flourish here, right? If there's some bad blood in the air, everyone feels it. Absolutely. You know, and it's a trickle down thing, right? If I come in here and I don't have the best attitude in the world, everyone else is going to be fucking feeling that shit and they're not going to be their best self. They're not going to be open. They're not going to be happy. And that just doesn't breed a good environment. You know what I mean? And I, I think a lot of that comes from like seeing, you know, these tech companies that are usually ahead of the game, right? And they have, Google has like their campus and Facebook has their campus and all these like companies, they built these like creative spaces, a place that's harboring positivity and fun. So when you go, when you do go to get to work, you're not exhausted because you're sitting behind a computer all day long, your back's hurting, you're fucking, you know, you just, it's quiet. You hear that. Fucking just I'm sorry, your mic, your mic cut out. Can you do that again? <laughs> <laughs> okay, like just all the business sounds that you hear like in an office space when you watch like a movie back in the 90s or two, early 2000s, yeah. right? Uh, yeah. It's just fucking everyone, everyone hated being in the office. And that was like the, that was like the thought process or the vision or, or the visuals that people saw. And so they hated an office environment. Who gives a fuck about an office? It's just boring there anyways. Everyone's quiet. Nothing's happening. That's not... That's not what I want here. You know, I want people talking. I want music playing. I want people getting shit done and I want creativity to flourish. That's one of the things that was probably one of the hardest things for me to ever really get a job is to say, is to give me a cubicle and say, yeah, this is your space. So yeah. you can do anything you want with it except for. Da, 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 da. Oh, Except for talk yes. to everyone else. Yes. Yeah. Don't talk. <laughs> don't look. Don't touch. Don't laugh. Don't laugh. Dude. Speaking to, uh, man, I'll go in. I, I signed, well, I went and got a Choose membership. Not a membership. I signed up for a seven-day free. Choose Fitness? Thing. Yeah. Okay. And uh, they're going over the rules. And they're low, They're like, no grunting. <laughs> and uh, me well, being like, a smart ass, I was like, does that include the bathroom? <laughs> <laughs> Lady's like, she looks at me like, what? <laughs> what are you trying to do? Like, You're choosing your short seven yeah. days. Yeah. Uh, That's like Planet Fitness. Uh, yeah, man. Dude, I was, Planet Fitness, they're like, don't you make anyone feel bad about not being fit by grunting over excessive because you are lifting weights that they can't lift. And make sure that you attend the pizza party on Friday. Fuck me. <laughs> you just made that up. no. Planet Fitness has pizza at their uh, at their gyms every Friday. I'm fucking sold. That's the only damn going to the gym too. <laughs> dude, ten bucks. Yeah, ten bucks. Ten dude. bucks. Yeah, you can spend ten dollars. on fucking I only have to worry about my next six meals. <laughs> <laughs> oh my one god! One meal out of the week taken care of, and you can get a workout in. Yeah, but just no grunting. Yeah, you're grunting a little extra when you eat a shit ton of cheese, though. I, I I got something to help that. You're just taking it in the sauna with you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just it, cheesier the cheese. She's just melting on yeah, you. Just, <laughs> just the nipples. You can't see us. We're playing with nipples. <laughs> <laughs> Not each other's, just <laughs> ourselves. Let me just Dude. get under this table really quick. 
We can make that happen. Uh, uh, we're going back <laughs> One to more break. break. Uh, it's been a while. Uh, yeah, no girlfriend, man. No woman wants to marry me. It's fucking crazy. <laughs> and I kind of love it too. <laughs> Dude, it, it was, it was, I'm dumbfounded that my wife loves me as much as she does. <laughs> I, I even have friends looking internationally for me. Oh yeah. You know, I was like, that's what I need. Somebody who can't understand me. Oh God. <laughs> Mail order bride. Uh, haven't, man, well, we're going to go in that some different time, but, <laughs> and I will tell you about, it. you will be able to hear what I'm about to say, but it's only on Patreon. Oh, exclusive content. Exclusive. Exclusive. My voice gets Mail deeper. Brides. <laughs> Provided by coffee. Conversations. And badasses. <laughs> so what's next for next level, man? Dude, it's, it's, on the a, it's a complete reframe of everything, right? You know, what's, uh, yep. what we have on the Patreon exclusive, but, uh, you know, it's, it's revamping kind of everything and going to a new phase of what we are. Right. And again, it's built up to build down, to build up, to build down, to build up and figure out the right process and the right way to go about, um, how I want to build this business. And, uh, you know, my, in my vision, what I have is build this spot to really be a place to harbor a lot of creativity and a lot of business and entrepreneurial spirit and take this and elevate it into an even bigger space and with bigger names and with bigger companies and be one of those bigger companies, right? Be able to command other companies to come in here because they want to be around a successful company. And, uh, and that comes in with building the tech out and systems and processes. And the uh, it's probably going to be a big social media push over the next two years to gain a lot more exposure behind a personal brand. So you'll see uh, YouTube coming out in January for myself, where I'm going to be talking about, you know, everything under the sun when it comes to real estate, but especially financing, you know, uh, case studies that come along with that and uh, trying to build a community for loan officers. Because there's not too many of those. A lot of real estate people have, you know, I think real estate agents have a, a better way than loan officers about collaboration with people in their industry, right? Loan officers are very competitive, it's cutthroat. Mm -hmm. And so there's not a lot of, you know, overlap and engagement between loan officers. I have loan officer friends, but I don't have a yeah. lot of them. Right. You know, well, because these are my customers. Right. You get too close to me. You're going to steal one of them away. Right. You're going to take right. one of them away. They're going to like you exactly. more than me. Right. Or, or vice versa. Right. Yeah. Or, and, and that's just a shitty, I think, uh, mentality around our industry, but it's because that's what the industry has always been. Right. So changing the frame of what that looks like and actually giving loan officers some, some love too. Cause I haven't done that myself. Right. So, uh, I say it ironically cause I want that, but I haven't done it. So I have to kind of be, uh, conscious of the fact that I'm also a part of the problem. Right. Right. Yeah. So, because I'm not, I'm not having a bunch of loan officers that don't work with next level lender in the office for that exact reason. Right. I'll be really honest about that, but I want to get away from that. I want to get towards having a community, not only with real estate agents, but with loan officers and then having that expand and build and building a really good reputation in the industry again, because if I can get those relationships as I build the other pillars of systems and process, and I established myself as a really good at personal brand that people fuck with, 
that all leads to building the next phase and going in and expanding and putting next level lender in LA and putting it in San Francisco and getting it in Florida and getting it in, uh, you know, Texas and all these other places. And, uh, it's really going to be harbored around that personal brand. Do people trust me? Do they work with me? Do they see me as a power in this industry? And then taking that reputation, building the technology behind it to really give people a better, uh, experience all around from not only from clients, but from the loan officers as well. And then hopefully pushing towards a, like a seed funding and trying to go and aim after a nationwide expansion. And that's like 10, 15 years. Right. But it's again, not ever finished. Right. So I'm not trying to be done. I'm just trying to enjoy every day right now and see how, how fucking high this thing can fly, baby. That's, and that's the beauty of it, man. Is you have a vision and a goal. You know, now it's just building those blocks to get it there. Yeah. Hitting those goals. Yep. Now we're in a fucking market that mm-hmm. is super difficult. Yep. And it is hard to drum up business. But one thing I want people to know is the myths right now. Like everybody I talk to, don't go get a loan. It's 8%. You know, don't do this because it's 8% or, and I don't know what the loan, I don't know what the interest rate is now. I stopped counting once it got past six. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's going lower now. It's right. We're sitting between like six and a half and seven and a half. Now we were between seven and a half and nine. But these are real interest rates where they're probably where we're supposed to be, right? Mm-hmm. Well, we're I mean, not supposed to be at 2.75%. 2.75 was an exaggeration and 8% was an exaggeration, right? All based off of uh, the, you know, the Fed's, they're, they're artificially keeping down the rate right? because that was the only way that they can think to spur the economy in COVID, right? right? Which boomed real estate because if you can buy a house at 2% interest rate, that's free fucking money. So the only way people make money is going to be by those prices exaggerating through the roof. And that happens because now everybody can buy a house, you know, because people are buying $800,000 houses, having like a $3,000 mortgage up in Carlsbad. You know what I mean? So they were just like, oh shit, I can afford this house. Let's go. And by the time people started figuring that out, then it boomed. People were just fucking racing to open houses. We were, every house, it was like a fight against 50 to a hundred offers in San Diego to get your client into that property. So you had to be, you have to have the reputation, right? People have to know who you are and you have to really know how to negotiate. And that was like a big miss for a lot of people. They were like, oh, it's so easy. Really was it? It was really tough because you had to fight against everyone else. And then everyone and their mom got the real estate license. Everyone and their mom became a loan officer because refinances were going through the wazoo. Everybody had, if they had a house already, it was definitely above where the rates were. Sure. The average rate at that point was like 4.2, Yeah, you know? So when you go down to 2%, you're cutting their shit more than in half. Dude, everyone's refinancing because it makes sense. There's no way it doesn't make sense. A hundred percent. You know? What's some of the myths we have right now? So that, uh, go get loans. I'd like, say first one is, is that right? High interest rate environment is not the time to buy. I disagree. I think it's the absolute time to buy a house. And the reason being, it's not fucking, you know, but everyone was really shying away from, Oh, marry, uh, marry the house and date the rate. Right. That was like a, that was the phrase. And so people were like, don't like catchphrases, right? They're like, this is my money. Don't fucking, don't make a joke out of it or whatever. And so they take that shit and they're like, every realtor right now is saying, marry, marry the house and date the rate. And they don't know if, uh, you don't know if their interest rates are ever going to come back. 
I, I think interest rates go into 20%, 25%, you know, and that wouldn't happen, right? It wouldn't be able to happen if you understand the economy in, as a whole, as a macro. Right. Um, it just, it would fuck everything, you know? And, uh, and the sustainability of real estate in the market, given that everyone has equity and fixed interest rates and low interest rates. So the prices won't fall because they only fall if there's a default market and we're in the lowest amount of defaults out of any period of the last like 20 years, right? We're only like 1.7% of all homeowners being in default when their average is supposed to be about 3.2. Which is scary because there's going to be some kind of point where this pendulum comes a swinging. Well, the pendulum swinging is right now is uh, it's, it's going to be more difficult for someone to buy a house than ever before coming out of COVID. And that's what it is right now, right? High interest rates. It's a great time to buy because the prices are lower because once the market comes back, interest rates go down. Inventory is low right now because no one wants to sell because they have a 2% interest rate. They have a 3% interest rate and they have 40% equity and they can pull a HELOC and all this kind of stuff to access their money. But they're smarter now because of 2008 when everyone lost their ass. You know, and then the other thing of it is uh, the regulation behind mortgages is a lot tighter. And it has been since 2009, 2010, when Dodd-Frank was, you know, implemented into the, into the system. And they did such a good job regulating mortgages and underwriting guidelines and things of that nature, that there is a very low default rate because most people that bought a house were in a stable place in their life to be able to purchase that property. The people that lose their house right now lose their house because of unforeseen circumstances, right? Mm -hmm. Not because they couldn't afford it because they weren't able to afford it beforehand, which is what happened, right? Yeah, the arm loans. Yeah, the arm loans, interest-only loans, the balloon payments, yeah. uh, and just, just the culmination of all of that with very low lending regulations so that people were just, I mean, people were getting 100% loans, right? They were getting 80% first and a 20% second. And a 20% second was the balloon over five years. And they didn't have to worry about it or whatever. Interest rate on the first was interest only and an arm. So it was like 2%, 3%. And then there was also like, so then in three years, that thing would fucking boom up and they have to pay back theirs 20%. And the problem was um, people did that for years and years and years. And it always made the money because the property was just keep on going up in value because people would just be like, oh, I didn't pay a single dollar to get this house right? Now I'm in the house and my house is now worth uh, $500,000. I bought it for $100,000 in 2000. And 2006 is 500000 Great. I'm going to run this one more year and I'm going to sell this shit for seven hundred k. And what they didn't see is that the mortgage bubble was right there. It popped and everyone couldn't, they couldn't pay back their balloon payments. And because it happened to everyone at the same time, then all the prices fell because no one was making their payments anymore. You know, yeah. so everyone, once the market is flooded with inventory, prices go down because everyone's in a situation where they have to sell. What's different about this market is people are saying, uh, oh, high interest rates and they're going to keep on going sky high and all this kind of stuff. The way I see it is, okay, then you're in your best case scenario in both ways. You can argue both ways that it's a good time to buy right now. Because if you think that the interest rates are at the absolute highest or at the absolute lowest, in a high interest rate environment, it's going to go higher. Buying right now and getting a fixed rate means you have the lowest interest rate, you know? But if you, if they go down, well, you can always refinance. So you are dating the rate. 
So what's yeah. the problem? Because if the, if, it, if the rates do go down, then that means the prices are going to go up because no one's selling right well, now. I think in San Diego, it's created a, a harsher market than you would find in Texas. Oh yeah, 100%. But that's because San Diego is an anomaly. It's its own economy. Right. When you think about it, look at all the development. San Diego is in its infancy compared to all the other places in California on this side of the West, uh, this on the West Coast. You look really? at Los Angeles, fully developed. Look at their downtown, look at Santa Monica, look at the, the hills, look at everywhere around LA. Orange County, same thing. Fully developed for all the industry and everything that's happening. Newport's fucking beautiful. Irvine's huge. It's expansive. It's a private city. San Francisco, huge amounts of development that skyrocketed in value and all that kind of stuff. When you go to San Diego, we've had the smallest downtown. We've never really had commerce here, but now we have all these new industries, tech and everything coming in and this entrepreneurial boom because we have the best climate. People want to live here. It's a beautiful place. It's like paradise. Yeah. Right. hundred percent. We have beaches, we have Coronado, we have fucking mountain ranges, we have deserts, we have all of it here in our small little bubble and people realize that. So like, if I can work from home, I'm going to go to San Diego because my $5 million in San Francisco gets me a house on the cliffs in San Diego. The number one uh, growing uh, range of prices in San Diego on a percentage basis was $5 million and up in properties. Really? Yeah. You had like a year over year growth of like 101% in terms of the amount sold. And that's because the prices were moving up and more money was moving into San Diego where all these guys were able to afford 10, 20, 30, $40 million houses, right? LA has hundred million dollar houses. You know, they have yeah, fat it, fucking properties. It, man, it's, it's crazy, dude. You know, and, uh, just this industry is, it's wild, man. You know, on the outside or kind of looking in going, mm, yeah, should I bite that bullet? Should I take it? If you can afford it. If you can afford it. That's well, it. of course, like, that's you got to do the simple, you got to make sure you're comfortable in, in getting that right before you do it, right. jumping into it. That's it. And that's the thing, right? They don't want to do the research yeah. or they, or they want to just believe everyone that doesn't own a home about, oh, it's so expensive. Like, why would you do that? This is not the time to do it right now. But if you can afford it, because you have a good job and it's stable and it makes sense for you. Why not? Well, and you don't have to go buy a fucking $2 million house. You can buy a 600, dollars $800,000 house, or you can be humbled and buy a condos just so you can get in the market. Yeah. But people don't want to do that. Right. They want, they want their cake and they want to eat it too. Yeah. I mean, I, I had a 2.75 interest rate on the house nice. I lost. Oh yeah. The house I lost four bedroom in Santee. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Lost it. That's and it was 2300 bucks a month. Dude, right? That's was my like, mortgage payment. And I was, you know, now what? I pay way fucking more than that in rent. Yeah. Was it the divorce? No. My fucking ex-business partner. Oh, business partner. Fuck. Yeah. God yeah, damn. He fucking. You're going to have to come on my podcast. Took everything I ever owned. That's ridiculous. You know, fucking went to the cleaners, man. Still don't fresh. Don't, I still don't smell fresh. And clean. <laughs> that but, happens. Dude. Yeah, dude. It was a learning experience, man. I yeah. call it million dollar education. Yeah. Cause yeah. it literally cost me a million fucking dollars. Yeah. Dude, that's, I was, I was watching something online earlier today. I looked to like do like motivational shit. And uh, one of the things is like, dude, the people that are the scariest are the ones that get fucking taken down all the way down to the ground and come back even bigger and better. And with more tenacity and with more ferocity, 
and actually continue to never stop, right? That you become unstoppable because you tried to been, someone tried to stop you before, yeah. but you still kept fucking pressing forward. Yeah. You know, and some people just, you know, they get kicked onto the ground. They stay on the ground. They're just like, fuck, I'm not moving anymore. Oh yeah. It, you know, I mean, that's, that's easy way to rate. It's an easy route to take. Yeah. Is that being stuck on the ground? Yeah. I, I was there. Yeah. I played the victim fucking card. Yeah. You yeah. Know? It's a justification for, well, I've been going through all this shit and it's way harder for me to restart from the bottom than it is for me to just stay on the bottom right here and hang out and figure something else out. Yeah, it was grueling, man. Yeah. When I was, you know, when you're down on your back looking up going, how much work I put into this? Yeah. And now I'm going to start something new, which kind of, it's kind of sick, I guess, because I never really went and got a job. Right. When it happened, I just started businesses. Right. <laughs> and that's, I was just like, huh, I, there's a pattern of sickness is yeah. going on here. Yeah. Uh, and I love it. I love the challenge though, man. Yeah. You know, even though it's hard as fuck. I just, I I love for it. me, like a job is never, I can't do it. I, I need to, I need to be able to get what I put in like out. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't like the cap, dude. No, I'm only going to make 90. That's it. And you can, work, you can only work so much overtime and you can only get so many promotions and so it's in so much time. Yeah. You know, that's yeah, exactly where I can go do what I want being your own boss. Kind of. Yeah. I mean, that's not really how business works, but you know, starting your business for the first five to six years. Mm -hmm. That's not how that works. That, that's a right. fucking key right there, dude. First five to six years. Yeah. <clears throat> people, people want, we talked about earlier, right? Instant gratification. Yeah. You got fucking hit the like, grind. Dude, I've been fucking working here for two years, three years. And I should be fucking, my business should be booming. It should be $10 million a year in revenue because that's what I've seen online and on Instagram and shit. And all these people have all this shit because you focus on, what everyone else has, you don't appreciate what you have in the moment and you don't allow it to grow to get to a point where it becomes fucking, it becomes what you want. You Dude, know, you just hit a huge nerve when you said that because you're a hundred percent correct with that. You know, it's, I, I can also look back and not just pinpoint on somebody else. I was my own worst enemy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that young, happens to the best of us, too. Young kid, young guy who out of the military never seen that kind of money. And all I did is follow the green trail, yeah. not the right trail. You know, I knew what the right trail was, but I got greedy. Yeah. And uh, it, look where greed got me, man. So, but I take ownership, dude. Yeah. Ownership. I it's, did it's, it. It's I the made most the conscious valuable decision. lesson in the world. Yeah. Absolutely. Because imagine it happened later. Right. After you had even more. Yeah. I, if that was ripped away. Cause then you don't have as much time, you know, that's correct. I mean, so you don't have time to pick yourself up because at some point there is, there is a finite amount of time that this, this can happen. But if you allow yourself to fail, but you fail forward, right. That's, that's some of the best shit this world can provide to you because you find out so much about yourself. Failing you, forward. Yeah. Fail yeah. forward. You find out so much about yourself and you, and you become stronger as a person and you come and you build a stronger relationship with yourself because you can trust yourself. You're like, I've been here before, but I know that I can get out of it. And you believe in yourself. That builds that belief in who you are and that you're a fucking badass and that you can get this shit done. Like when you look in the mirror, right? That's the thing that, I think that the relationship with yourself is, you know, in that relationship pillar, that one with yourself is the most important. Most. 
You know, you got to love yourself, like yourself, and live with yourself. 100%. You know, and you got to trust before yourself. Before you can do business with yourself. 100%. Dude. Absolutely. AK, man, you're a badass, dude. You're a badass. Dude. I want to say thank you for coming on here. Of course, man. You know, it's been a pleasure. We're not done yet. We're going into exclusive content. Yeah, we're going to exclusive content. Only fans, baby. Subscribe to me and Dustin. <laughs> oh, <laughs> my oh, God. Sorry, sorry, guys. Dustin and I, for all you grammar yeah. Nazis out there. Yeah, they, them, him, she. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Just lost all my clients. <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, Andrew, please. <laughs> Dude, I really appreciate it, man. We are, you're a badass, man. You know, for one, just falling Thank into you. business, going through some very difficult business hardships and coming out on the end, man. It's super difficult. You know, not only that, but why dealing with day-to-day trials in your life and going after something that you love and who you love and that's your wife, dude. Yeah, dude. You're a badass, man. Thank you, bro. I appreciate that a lot, actually. So we are calling this a done deal today right now, but... For all you freebie users, but if you do take a moment and you go and subscribe on a Patreon, you can get a little bit more access. And I'm pretty sure he's going to dive into a couple of things that I'm actually excited to talk with about because it's uh, ripping the hair off my chest here. That's exactly what we're going to do, man. <laughs> we are going to rip the hair off your chest. On- <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you all the listeners for watching Coffee Conversations and Badasses podcast. And thanks for next level lender for providing us a space to do what we do, man. Really appreciate it. So please, if you like what we're doing, you like what we're talking about, hit the like subscribe buttons. And don't forget, we are now on Patreon. We got some badass exclusive membership only stuff going on over there. So fuck around and find out and go check it out. Oh, fuck around and find out. And thank you for supporting my friend, Dustin. He's some of the greatest people I know. And the more that you guys support this, I know the more you're going to help out the world. You're going to become, I just, I I can't wait to see where this goes. And I'm excited to be along with the journey with you, brother. And I'm excited to have you in my life. Dude, thank you, AK, man. I really appreciate that. Dude, yeah. Let's get into that fucking (laughs) exclusive content, baby. (laughs) Let's go. Let's go. Thank you for tuning in to Coffee Conversations, a badass podcast. If you like what we're doing, go to our Patreon. Show some support. We have exclusive content and giveaways over there. And please don't forget to like, subscribe, and share the content that we're putting out. Until next time.